There's a, a book written called The Three Edwards, and the author describes the life of a duke in what is modern-day Belgium, and his name is Edward III. He was from the 14th century and, again, what's now Belgium. Edward III was grossly overweight. In fact, he had a nickname in Latin, was Crassus, which basically meant fat. So everybody called him Fat Edward. True story. Um, so there was a violent quarrel between um, uh, uh, Reginald, uh, and I'm sorry, it was Reginald. His brother was Edward. I lied to you, Village Church. So there's a the Crassus, fat, fat Crassus was Reginald III. His brother was Edward. And they had a violent quarrel. Um, ultimately, Edward took Crassus, or Reginald III, and he put him not in a normal prison. Uh, in fact, he captured him and he put him in one of his castles, in one of the rooms. And the room had a normal size door. The room had normal sized windows. Uh, and what he did is he told him, you can leave whenever you want. So what he did is day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, what Edward did to fat Reginald was that he would send him tons of delicacies day in and day out, knowing knowing that what Reginald would do, what he would indulge himself. And day after day, week after week, after 10 years, Reginald was never able to leave the room. Uh, Edward was accused by many of cruelty. And here is what Edward would tell people when, they, when he was accused of cruelty. He would say this, my brother is not a prisoner. He may leave when he so Wills. After 10 years, Edward finally dies in battle, and uh, Reginald's subjects now come in and they free him, and he dies shortly thereafter from health-related issues. What's interesting is that he died from weight complications because of an addiction, because of an insatiable desire, and it ended up holding himself into prison. Now, here's what I have learned being a pastor of Village Church. I have learned that the Christian church, that many of the men and also the women are in active prison right now. The, the, the main difference is that our prison is not necessarily gluttony of food for the majority of us, it is lust. Now this is an unusual subject for some of you. You come to church and you're like, the pastor's gonna talk about lust. This is not unusual for me. Um, week in, week out, month in, month out, my wife and I and many of the pastors are dealing with more sexual dysfunctions than we could possibly communicate. And it starts in the heart and it works itself out into everyday lives. And this is a significant and life-altering reality, and it's not just the person sitting next to you, it's all over the place. And it's not just men, it is women. And our heart is broken over the sexual brokenness and dysfunction that begins, first and foremost, not with what has been done to you, but what is already in our hearts. So open up your Bibles with me, Matthew chapter five. We're gonna be in verse 27. We're in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And in this sermon, right now, Jesus is defending himself. He's defending himself against an accusation. And the accusation would come from the religious leaders, and it would go something like this. Um, Jesus wants to destroy the law. He has no respect for the law, and Jesus wants to create chaos and anarchy. And we know that is not the case. In fact, Jesus wants to make a couple things clear. Number one, Jesus wants to tell everybody, I have not come to abolish the law, but to perfectly obey every nuance of the law, not just externally, but internally from the very heart. But number two, he wants to make something clear to everybody listening. The last couple weeks, we've tried to make this as clear to you as possible. You are the lawbreakers, not Jesus. 
We are the lawbreakers. He would look at the entire crowds and here's what he's trying to get through to them. This is not about me abolishing the law. The law was written because you, at the very core of your being, are breaking the law. And not just the 613 Jewish laws, but you are breaking the moral law. This law divinely imprinted on the heart and the soul and the mind of every human being that has ever lived. You are in rebellion against God and against the moral law and the Jewish law. You're guilty. And we're going to see even his warning of hell come up multiple times in this sermon. Because here's the reality that our guilt is causing us to be damned to hell. And at this point, your response should be, if I'm guilty, then how do I get out of hell? How do I make things right with God? How do we get this better? And these are some of the things that Jesus is trying to answer. So last week it was anger. This week it's lust. What do they have in common? Here's what they have in common. Anger and lust are such that if not tamed, they grow. This is their nature and their inevitable outcome. Lust and anger, if not tamed and put under control, will absolutely grow. It is their necessary and desired outcome. You and I, in the flesh, are not created with the capacity and the power to tame anger and lust. We need divine help. These are more powerful than we give them credit for. Now look at point number one in your notes. My lust incriminates me. Verse 27, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. And this is from the 10, say it with me, commandments. Good. Applies to everybody, male, female. Adultery causes you to be judged on the human court, the Jewish court. It was illegal and it was punishable by death. But one of the things that Jesus is trying to get them out of is this mindset that the human court is the most important court. There is a court with superior jurisdiction to the human court, and that is Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and the judge of angels and humanity. And Jesus Christ judges not just what is done externally, but what is done in our minds, what is done in our hearts, Even the things that we have not done yet, but intend to do, the oughts, the should'ves, the would'ves, and the could'ves. Like this is a level of judgment that the majority of the people are not paying attention to, and they believe somehow that if I don't do the deed, that I am somehow innocent. And Jesus is like, you're missing a major point. Yes, Jewish courts cannot prosecute intention, but God can, because God knows with certainty not what is just on the outside, but what is in the head and in the heart. And so verse 28, Jesus goes on and he says, but, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 